Hello there. <laughs> Sorry. And welcome to Into the Aether. It's a low-key video no. game podcast. My name is Brendan Bigley. I'm Stephen Hilger. Welcome to the podcast. Um, I think before we even start talking about video games, we should talk about our Patreon, which sounds like a very podcasty thing to do. But uh, we actually do have a, a strange little bit of housekeeping. Uh, so for those of you who are in the Discord or follow us on Twitter or whatever, you might have seen that we updated the Patreon recently. Um, we also released the most recent edition of our newsletter, with it came a, a big change in that uh, what we had in terms of our Patreon tiers at one point were, was essentially three tiers. One dollar would get you a shout out on the shout out on the show. Uh, three dollars would get you access to a Google Drive that had all of the high res episode art for every episode, and also mobile wallpapers of of the episode art occasionally. Um, and then a five dollar tier that got you access to the newsletter. And if anybody donated at all, which you know people did, uh, then we would start making bonus episodes for the show which we have been doing and that was cool for a while uh and like very quickly um as we were getting messages from people that were like hey i just subscribed to uh, the patreon is there a way i can see earlier newsletter editions which like we didn't have the like technical capability of doing really yeah um and and all these other things was like oh wait we built this whole patreon in such a way where we didn't want to withhold content from anyone and then we literally built like tiers and paywalls so people couldn't access the other stuff that we were making so that just felt kind of bad outside of like the fact that just like writing for the Patreon or writing for the newsletter um, just like felt like a lot to me personally uh, every month. And uh, I wanted kind of a way to alleviate the stress because a thing that Steve and I talk about all the time and AJ also is like never, ever, ever do we want this show to be a source of stress for any of the three of us. Um, so we have restructured the Patreon in such a way where it is now just a $1 or more tier. So you can pay what you want essentially. And that's kind of it. We still give you a shout out at the end of every episode. That's that's kind of the only tier that exists. Um, but the Google Drive link, which I'll put in the show notes now, um, is is available for everyone. So you can go and check out all the episode art and all the uh, mobile wallpapers and stuff. Um, and the newsletter is now available uh, publicly. And all of the previous issues are also available publicly. So if you've been hankering to read those, you can go check them out. Uh, but it's all on our new Medium site, um, which you can go check out. So there are a couple things that come hand in hand with that. One of them is, you know, beyond just everything is public always. You know, that's cool. Bonus episodes will still exist and we'll still do them every month. Uh, we have next month's planned already. And, and Steve and I are already playing all of the games that we need to play to get to that. And that's the only yeah. tease I'll give you for now um, <laughs> yeah. until we, I guess, announce it more fully. But um, outside of that, it also just like gives us a hub to be writing more. Because as, as I've been writing for the newsletter, um, I've... The, the source of stress that I found personally is like it needs to be like the one big bombastic thing that I write every month. It has to be the best thing I've ever written. Um, and like that pressure kind of, I think, got to me a little bit. Um, and I was looking back at the stuff that I used to write for the site that you and I used to work for. Um, and the site that I started after that and stuff and was just like, oh, yeah, I miss writing kind of like smaller pieces every once in a while also. Um, so that's kind of what the medium I think is going to turn into is like as we're going to still have a monthly newsletter, um, but also like interspersed there should be like some smaller pieces, which I think will be fun and exciting to write. So I guess just look out for that. That link will also be in the show notes. Um, but essentially it just comes down to like a streamlining of everything um, yeah. because we, we came at this from the point of view of like we want to make a Patreon that is like inclusive and, and, and works for everyone and then like somehow accidentally like goofed it a little bit. Um, it worked for a bit. 
fit. Um, but it just feels better this way, I think. Yeah, I think also like the newsletter has been a project that's also growing on its own. And like another side of that is we just want to share that with more people too. Like we feature our own writing and artwork, but also like a lot of other people's writing and artwork that like I want more people to see. Yeah, um, absolutely. So, you know, I think that was always kind of the bummer I ran into is like when we when we would have these other people work with us, I'm like, oh, like only X people are going to see it because of the Patreon. So right, exactly. It just, it just eventually became counterintuitive. I think we also like didn't have like a concrete idea of what the newsletter was going to become. Uh, right. originally I think it was more just us and now it's become more like almost zine esque. Um, yeah, which I'm excited to see how that grows and, and getting more people involved with that. So yeah, like, like Brandon said, um, expect more from that and expect the same like monthly newsletter. So in short, really everything is just becoming more available <laughs> is really what's happening. Yeah. Um, and I think uh, we're also like we're also going to keep an eye on Patreon and like make announcements whenever we can of like, you know, all this stuff is a constant work in progress. So I think like I think this is going to work better for us and for all of you. And we'll just continue to see what works best for for us, because the end of the day, the the mantra we're going to follow with the Patreon is like with bonus episodes. If we're getting any support, we can do more. And that means more episodes, more newsletters, more streaming, all that kind of stuff. Like we're just able to do more with the more support we get. So yeah. there's no reason to have that more be exclusive. Um, yeah, so agreed. Yeah, um, that's it. Yeah. So, yeah, we mentioned it like right when we launched the Patreon that like, you know, that was like 1.0 of us mm-hmm. uh, starting to accept stuff because we honestly and and i mentioned this in in the um the the like intro to the newsletter um but like we didn't even expect to have a patreon at any point within the first like five years of doing the podcast and (laughs) and here we are with one already so we're still figuring it out um and it's possible that it'll evolve again past this and steve and i already kind of kicking around ideas for like how we can kind of evolve it in the future. Um, yeah. But for now, I feel really good about where it's at and I hope you do too, dear listener. Um, and if you don't, for whatever reason, please let us know. Yeah, for sure. But we've already heard from some people who have said that this kind of makes it a little bit more accessible, um, both in terms of content and in terms of uh, support. So that's yeah, honestly um, really gratifying. Also worth pointing out to you, like right now, like we used to have the three, you mentioned this earlier, but like mechanically on the site, there were the three paid tiers then you can enter a custom amount custom amount right now it's just a dollar by default but if you for whatever reason want to donate more you can write that in so it's just sort of like a dollar by default and then more if you feel so inclined yeah um, um so all of that said uh thanks everybody who uh, yes. donates and continues to donate and all that stuff uh it really means lots to the both of us and uh if you want to go do that you can go to patreon.com slash what is it? Into the cast, right? Into the cast. That's what it is. I should have done that. <laughs> <laughs> Slash Sega Genesis Twins uh, yeah. 9990. <laughs> Honestly, I mean. What is that? The sequel to Vine just came out and my username on there is Nintendo Wii. So. That's so good. I uh, was telling you off. Uh, yeah. You told me that earlier and I want to m- maybe be the Wii U on Vine 2. I think if your username was just the Wii U, that would be very funny. <laughs> I want to take the worst selfie possible. <laughs> it's like the worst lighting, really yeah. tired. Yeah. My uh, my my profile picture on there is me with a minion. Is me with an inflatable minion. Oh, uh, yeah. Maybe I'll take a picture. I have this weird like salmon pillow that maybe I'll take a picture with. Great. Yeah. That's cool. good. Yeah, it's perfect for the Wii U on Vine 2. Yeah, it's called Byte, but B-Y-T-E. I've been waiting for it for a very long time. I'm really excited about it. Anyway, that's our Patreon. <laughs> <laughs>
<laughs> that's our Patreon. Expect Vine to actually not probably. I will probably never get it. Truth be told, but yeah. expect Vine two to really have some content. We have a big presence on on from the Aether our newsletter <laughs> and low key video game publication. Yes, yes, very excited for all that. Yeah. Uh, cool. With that, do you want to get started on today's episode? Yeah, I'd like to talk about a video game that you're playing. Yeah, me too. Uh, so, <laughs> <laughs> as we mentioned, I think either last week or the week before, we're kind of in like a backlog mode. Not really too noticeable because there really isn't like any strict formula with our show. We just bring to the table games we're enjoying and talk about them. But I think for like the last four months, it was just like everything was coming out and like everything we talked about was like fresh, like out of out of the out of the aether, if you will. Yeah, it's kind of like how um, how Christmas for some reason, like feels like it starts earlier every year. It's like in October, you'll start seeing like Christmas decorations up at like Rite Aid and Dwayne Reed and stuff. <laughs> Like that's kind yeah. of what what the um, the holiday like fall release cycle for video games has become where like that starts in August now. So like yeah. between the months of August and December, it was like every week another huge tentpole thing was coming out. Yeah. This time last year, I think we had our like three episode lead up to Kingdom Hearts 3. I was thinking about that oh the other God, day. Oh my God, yeah. That was <laughs> this time last year. The DLC for that just out. came out. Remind, baby. I've yeah. heard that the ending is absolutely absurd, and I've I haven't seen any positive or negative uh, reactions to it. I've only heard that it's wild. Yeah. Like any anyone who I've seen talking about it has only said like the ending is so fucking bananas that you're not going to believe it but i don't know if that's good or bad also they added final <laughs> fantasy characters oh did they Who's in, in, in this dlc i don't know i we just, added I just kate saw that. sith we added three kate siths oh sick i can't <laughs> wait to buy this we added um, another moogle who's not a safe point <laughs> just to confuse you saveless moogle kate sith and palmer oh <laughs> <laughs> heidegger from shinra versus Big Ness. Okay. We added a chocobo. You can ride around Olympus. I'm actually amazed that Sora has never ridden a chocobo. That's like incredible to me. Yeah, that is kind of wild, isn't it? Yeah, there should have been like a chocobo forest world. Deer Square. I played three. Woof. Anyway, here's some ideas. Um, <laughs> no. Uh, Polygonal Sephiroth. For those listening for the first time, if you want to hear, like, again, we only talk about stuff we like. If you want to hear Brendan and I squirm in our chairs trying to find something positive to say, listen to the Kingdom Hearts 3 episode. Yeah. Um, I had a friend who, who uh, hi Pablo, if you're listening, who's been going back and he's been listening to the entire show backwards, which is funny. Uh, oh, that's um, very fun. And he just got through the Kingdom Hearts stuff and he just he just texted me out of the blue one day. He was just like, woof. Like what? What's going on? You you all right? He was like, I just listened to you talk about Kingdom Hearts three. That was really upsetting. <laughs> <laughs> it's probably worse to go backwards because then you hear us like excited for it, and the other two. Yeah, yeah. You just yeah hear us bummed. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, so uh, thank God Apex Legends came out like the next week. <laughs> <laughs> but that's the thing this time of year is like this is even though it's traditionally slower there are also a lot of surprises um i think near automata came out in like the q1 period back in 2017 it was like incredible mm -hmm. i feel like in in the indie world and in the nintendo world they just drop stuff like literally whenever yeah so i think slay the spire came out for real for real this time last year yeah also, if I'm not so mistaken. 
always always worth like seeking out cool stuff um i have my eye on some things and i think it's not until next month that i have like actual dates in my calendar marked of like things coming out so all that to say i've been making a list of like games that i have that i haven't either gotten to yet or want to spend more time in um and i've been doing that in this in this sort of like arguable lull that we have but yeah all that to say too like Sometimes we'll bring to the table older stuff, like kind of out of the blue. So there's not like we're not beholden to what's new. Yeah. Anyway, what have I been playing? I tell me this is a game. <laughs> tell me this is a game that I have like been. S- Do you ever have like a piece of media that you like almost get every time you're either like streaming or like at a store, and like it's always the thing you go to first, and then you end up doing something else. Mm-hmm. That's for some reason what this game was for me. It's a uh, Nino Kuni Wrath of the White Witch. Hey, um, I've tried to buy it like three times. Uh, I went to GameStop and they were out of <laughs> copies, uh, so that was doomed. Um, Steven just threw some salt over his shoulder. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, it, there was a giant Switch sale recently. I have it on Switch, worth noting. Um, and I finally picked it up. Uh, this like on paper, I'm surprised I didn't get this like when it came out because. On paper, this is like my dream. It's a JRPG that's animated by Studio Ghibli. Um, yeah. Which like sounds like it shouldn't exist. It's yeah. like too, too, too many things like that are good in this world combining. Um, yeah, it's level five, right? Is the developer of that? Yeah. It's the Professor Layton company, I think. Yeah, they did, I think, a couple Dragon Quests as well as like, what's their big thing? Oh, I think Yokai Watch as well. Anyway, they make a bunch of games. Uh, yeah. But Nino Kuni is um it's not it doesn't have like Miyazaki's involvement or anything I think it's just animated by Studio Ghibli but like absolutely mm-hmm. has the charm of like that type of world uh for those yeah. unfamiliar Studio Ghibli is the animation company founded by Miyazaki and um a few other animators who made like Spirited Away and My Neighbor Totoro and all that stuff uh I'm a huge fan I, we don't really talk about movies on the show unless it's Cats 2019 but like <laughs> I have been slowly like acquiring all of Miyazaki's stuff like I I adore his filmography yeah um so the idea of like having a video game set in like that type of world with that level of animation was like unreal mm-hmm. um and yeah so I, I picked it up I'm like about three hours in uh, this game originally came out on PS3 which I did not have so yeah. I'm not surprised I didn't get it because I couldn't get it and I think the, like, the first first game was on the DS but like only in Japan so like the PS3 version is kind of like a soft remake of that game oh I didn't even know that I, I have yeah. anything about that I'll just, I'll just say quickly my my history with this game very very briefly is uh, a friend I think actually yeah I, a friend loaned me this game on PS3 about a month before before the PS4 came out and I got about five to 10 hours in and then the PS4 came out and then I sold my PS3. So I never played any more of it. So uh, I played it a little bit on PS3. You're playing it on the switch, which I'm really excited to hear about because every game is better on switch. And I feel like this game in particular would be really good yeah. on switch. Not that yeah. any game, there's never been a game that's worse because it's on switch that I could think of even like the Witcher three, which has like significantly worse graphics everywhere else. I think people are still saying is a great buy if you have it on switch. I, I think, I think the novelty of having it handheld like overcomes any like kind of technical issues. I think the yeah. only game that in memory that one of us cited like not running great on the switch was minecraft didn't you say like in docked mode it was like kind of rough oh yeah true yeah yeah minecraft steve when you least expect it lets yeah. you down um Oof. not even hero <laughs> brian 
So my bumper sticker says, Minecraft, Minecraft Steve let me down. Uh, okay, enough about Minecraft Steve. Also worth noting in terms of credentials, the music of this game was composed by uh, Joe Hisayashi, who does most of the scores for Miyazaki stuff. And like, yeah. it's just an incredible composer. Like, Yeah, really an unbelievable musical mind on that guy. Yeah, one of those composers that like probably deserves equal credit as director in terms of capturing like, Totally the mood agree. of a film. Yeah. Um, I saw at, uh, at Carnegie Hall, he did a live show where he played um, oh, wow. a bunch of songs like to the scenes. And it was like unbelievable. He is such a happy guy, too. He has this big smile on his face and he bounces up and down like he you can tell he really loves. That's loves, awesome. Loves what he does. Yeah. I, I'm like I it's so infectious when like people are enjoying their time on stage. Yeah. You know, like anyway, uh, stage presence critique aside, uh, <laughs> really great score. Just like immediately like the menu theme of this game is like so captivating. Um, mm-hmm. so I also like at the same time, I, I haven't really heard, and maybe this is like just me like missing the hype, but I haven't like heard a ton about this game. Like, I feel like for all the, for all the like esteemed credentials, of, like people behind it, I never, it never seemed to have a splash that like a final fantasy or a dragon quest did. Mm-hmm. Um, at least like in, in, you know, maybe I was just like, you know, this came out in what, 2011. Maybe I was just like distracted. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. I remember it being uh, a pretty big deal when it came out because it really, okay. I mean, it came out, it, it had that kind of mystique about it that you just described where when it was announced, it was like, there's no way that anything like this should ever exist because it's all too <laughs> perfect. Um, right. And then came out and like lived up to the hype and was good. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And that's, that's worth noting. I'm really, really enjoying it. It has a bit of a slow start that I am excited to talk about, but, but, um, yes. Yeah, I know exactly I, what you're talking about. Yeah, I would say like there are a lot of game, there are a lot of fantasy RPGs out there. This is one of the few that like truly feels magical. Like, yeah, this is a game where you really, really feel like you're in another world. Um, and like just for that, I think deserves like high praise because you could get so easily numb to like you know how many fantasy settings have you been in and how many of them have like like how many Tolkien adjacent medieval fantasy continents have you been given the name of and how many do you remember? Mm-hmm. Right, <laughs> you know, yeah, like. So, so this game, like the setting, I think above all else is the star, uh, that and the music just for some context. Um, it begins, uh, with like almost like the beginning oddly reminded me of like earthbound in a way where like, you're kind of in like a, like, I I don't want to say cold war era, but there's something oddly like fifties about the setting in the beginning. Like, yeah. The slang, the main character you play is Oliver, who's this like probably like eleven year old kid running around like a very like cheery sort of like uh, suburban town where there are like a lot of mom and pop stores, and he runs into. I love, I always love like Studio Ghibli stores and food. Like that's not a hot take, but yeah. like just I I love how stuff that's like should be mundane is still like equally magical. Yeah, um, it feel it feels more Miyazaki than um, than Yokai Watch. I think that's actually a good a good touch point for people who yeah. played that game. So you are Oliver, and it begins like with a like fully animated cutscene. Uh, it kind of alternates like the cutscenes are you know two D Ghibli animation, and then uh, most of the game is like almost like a cel shaded render of that. Yeah, but it kind of alternates between the two. This is one of those RPGs where like it's I <laughs> I was enjoying it and like swept up in the whimsy and. Like, like obviously the animation is like second to none, but it takes like 
an actual whole ass hour for the game to actually start. <laughs> like yeah. I, I looked at my save file and I'm like, it has been, it has been an hour, my friends. Yeah. Uh, it's a lot of like go from point A to point B and then trigger the next cutscene kind yeah, of stuff. I was just about and to like, ask what, what happens there. Cause I, I just remember that taking forever before you get to the actual fantasy world. Um, yeah. but, but I, I didn't remember what you and spent I, all that time doing. Truthfully, I don't know if that time pays off. I think there's a lot of stuff that happens in that time that worked but like we could have gotten there faster like i think this is a this is a game that like kind of forgets it's a game for the first hour mm. where like you know i think i think uh there are other rpgs you can point to that that have a lot of cutscenes that like kind of put you in the driver's seat right away i mean even even final fantasy 7 like in the late 90s era where like any game that was sort of more rpg-esque had like two hours of cutscenes like that game starts with you jumping off a train and fighting soldiers right not that i need like fighting right away but I need to like you truthfully don't know what the game is even going to be until an hour in. <laughs> like I was like, yeah. so how does this work? Like, am I how do how does what's the actual game? So yeah. you're Oliver, you're running around, it's like uh you're you have a friend who's like, Hey, you should come to my house. I'm I have a motorcycle. Wah! You know, he's <laughs> up to no good. Uh <laughs> that's my version of how he sounds. That is he no, sounds, that's pretty close. It's pretty it's yeah. a pretty good uh, impression of that guy. Oliver is kind of like a very meek he's like jeepers like i don't know he's like come on if we don't do it tonight we're never gonna do it man i got a motorcycle uh so oliver reminds me of ponyo as a fish oh <laughs> that's what i will say in Oliver's, vibe and in tone i feel like he is likable based on like his sort of no pun intended like fish out of water story yeah but like Given the roster of like incredible Ghibli protagonists, I feel like he kind of falls short of that expectation. Yeah, and considering um, some of the supporting cast in this game too, it's yeah, like, it's wild that that he is so kind of like devoid of of personality. Um, yeah, not that, I, not I that he's wish... bad. I, I I really enjoyed him as a character, but just yeah. comparatively, it's like surprising you care about him but yes. like i almost wish they kind of made him a, a silent protagonist if they weren't gonna like give him more character yeah you know i feel like he's kind of in this void of like of, of sort of in the middle but anyway um so you go to your troublesome friend's house and there's <laughs> there's like a girl watching you who's like the house over and like clearly setting up i i imagine they're gonna come back mm -hmm. um but he's like, you know, no girls allowed or something shitty and closes the garage uh, and he's working on some kind of race car. And before that, you talk to your mom and you're like, hey, mom, like you're going to bed early tonight, right? He's like, yeah, why? And he's like, so you're not going to be awake like past six. So like, I can go to my problematic friend's house and like get into trouble because you're going to be asleep. Yeah. So you're going to go to sleep early after dinner. It, it, after dinner, you're going to be in bed so I can go to my problem. I sound like a, a I think you should leave. Yeah, it does. Yeah, very much. <laughs> anyway, um, that happens. And the mom's like, what's wrong with my son? Um, but then quickly puts two and two together when you got into a car crash Mm -hmm. And she runs to save you every now and then this takes like, this is like 40 minutes, by the way, like yeah. this, this whole arc takes way too long yeah. to be honest. Um, but the mom is like really likable and like immediately I cared about her and like the, the dramatic weight that is given to a mother just finding out her, like her child is just lost is like very real and relatable. Like she yeah. just goes into this, like, like very realistic, like, 
flight or fight mode of like i just need to find out where my son is um meanwhile it keeps cutting to this like glowing orb and there's this witch who's like ah oliver is the child who will save the world yes right right, right yes that's how i knew i was in and the parents like yes your excellency yeah (laughs) it reminds me a lot of kingdom hearts one actually it reminds me a lot of maleficent's presence in in the first kingdom hearts yeah so the the parrot actually the parrot has more of like a hubert vibe where it's like yes your radiance yeah um so they know that oliver is forecasted as the boy who will save the world and they like place a trap where when the mom goes to save him from drowning she like gets a heart attack and dies it's really sad yeah. i was not expecting that um and like so then it cuts to the hospital and she's like you know take care of yourself really oddly heavy moment it kind of gets from like zero to 60 to be honest like as much time as it takes to get there yeah i feel like that could have been like yeah but it's effective it's definitely like emotional and narrative whiplash simultaneously yeah <laughs> yeah yes i just remember, i just remember being like so swept up in how beautiful the world was then suddenly being like what do you what 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 because i i just i never expected it to get that heavy especially in that moment yeah so then it cuts to oliver and at that point obviously like you are grieving with oliver he's in his room i think the the housekeeper knocks and is like hey is everything okay and everyone's really sad and he cries into a stuffed animal uh and that animal becomes like a a strange pokemon-esque creature that's mm-hmm. like kind of looks like an anteater but has a lantern on the end of its nose yeah and like talking about emotional whiplash we've just had our mom die this thing comes to life and is like greetings i'm king of the fairies ain't it and like yeah. it has like basically like a shrek-esque scottish or welsh accent mm-hmm. and like great voice I, like, acting like just incredible oh yeah the, the voice actor does a great job but like from like one moment we're grieving with Oliver and then it cuts to this creature going, right, let me tell you about parallel worlds, ain't it? <laughs> like, like, whoa, dude, give me a second. Yeah. Um, but it, <laughs> It's effective in that, like, I think what they're going for and what ends up really paying off is, like, at least what I am picking up is this kid that's kind of escaping to another world after something really sad just happened, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah. And I think I think the inciting event of like him crying onto this doll uh, and then it becoming his like uh, Narnia esque guardian to mm-hmm. like, take him into this other place. Uh, Mr. Drippy is his name. Just yeah. incredible. Yeah. Uh, at first I was a little bit overwhelmed, but like he I love I would die for Mr. Drippy. Yeah. Like at one point he's like, so I was thinking, could I be your sidekick? And he's like, sidekick. Like, oh, he's like, have you been considering getting a sidekick? And. Oliver's like, who would be my sidekick? And he's like, oh, stab me in the heart, why don't you? <laughs> uh, um, it's great. And the way he tutorializes things, he's like, ah, clean forgot to tell you more about familiars. I'm like, this is so good. Yeah. Um, <laughs> oh, man. So good. Yeah, you're so, making me want to go back and play this game again and actually yeah. do it. So what happens is Mr. Drippy says, like, the inciting event is like, hey. I can't believe his name is Mr. Drippy. I completely yeah. forgot about that. <laughs> Mr. Drippy, King of the Fairies. Uh, like, there's. Su- it's also written in like the vernacular of that accent. Yes. I don't know if you've ever read Train Spotting, but it's like that, <laughs> where it's like, choose life, great. You know, like. <laughs> <laughs> I want to hear like uh, Iggy Pop's like Lust for Life playing when he first shows up. Yeah. 
Um, <laughs> so basically, he, yeah, there's one point though that's really jarring where he's like, "Are you a crybaby because your mom dropped dead?" And yes. He's like, "Yeah, dude, that's why I'm crying." And I don't appreciate Mr. Drippy telling me to stop crying. Yeah. When she died minutes ago, dude. Ah, clean forgot. Um. Anyway, I need to stop doing Mr. Drippy. I've I've been practicing. Uh, anyway, so what happens is Mr. Drippy, so this is impossible. What happens is Mr. Drippy says that in his world, uh, his world is like kind of a reflection of almost like Persona, where everyone in Oliver's world has a soulmate. So he learns that his mom is actually this really powerful, like, mage. I just want to... I'm sorry. i to cut you off. I just want to mention, I think in this episode, we have mentioned... The Elder Scrolls Oblivion, Fire Emblem Three Houses, Persona, and Final Fantasy VII. I think that's our Beetlejuice moment. <laughs> I think it's all happened. Yeah. I think Mr. Drippy's knocking the door. Ah, clean forgot! You summon me if you mention your favorite games in the same 30 minutes. <laughs> Fun time, ain't it? Um, <laughs> that's what I love when he says, ain't it? Yeah. Um, Anyway, God, uh, Mr. Drippy aside. <laughs> yeah. Tell me and more Oliver about Mr. Is Drippy. So like, Mr. Drippy's like, <laughs> so will you save my world? And he's like, no. Yeah. Oliver just says like, yeah. no, I won't. Yeah, why would you? Um, but anyway, so. You're getting accosted explains- by a stuffed animal who's yelling at you because you're, you're sad your mom is dead. I'm not going to help Dri- him. <laughs> Mr. Drippy in this flurry of Shrek energy. Uh, confirms that his mom is a like very powerful mage that went up against one of the one of the most powerful evil sorcerers. Yeah. Um, and that if they help his mom in that world, it might bring her back in his world. Mm-hmm. It's kind of a out there concept to tell a grieving child, but Mr. Drippy's doing his best. Um, uh-huh. And he also learns that he's something. He is called the pure-hearted one. Kind of very similar Kingdom Hearts stuff with the with you know. The hearts, yes. if you will, but Kingdoms, because he's pure-hearted, hearts. he he's like a chosen one. Base. It's very classic, like goofy. <laughs> now that I think about it, Mister Drippy Sora. is like sorry. <laughs> Mister Drippy's scene is like the Hagrid. You're a wizard, Harry, but if Hagrid never left, <laughs> like if Hagrid just like stuck around, it was like so. What else you want to talk about? Um. Anyway, uh. So you you learn that if you go to this other world you can help your mom. So you do, you, you find a stick that like resembles a wand and you cast the spell called gateway. Right. And it brings you into this other world. And I have to say, that's the moment that like, I literally gasped when yeah. I saw the world map it is, it is so like outrageously beautiful. Something about they did this in, and <laughs> Beetlejuice, Beetlejuice, Beetlejuice. They do this in final fantasy seven as well. <laughs> Where when you first get to the world map, it's very zoomed out. Mm-hmm. So like your your player icon is so little. It's very effective in making you feel like you're in this. Like it's very simple stuff, but you do feel like the world is is gigantic if yeah. you're that small. And it's just like incredible like watercolors and like it looks like you're in a painting. Basically, it's it's just stunning. Yeah, very pretty. And from there, it like really gets going. So that that is like an hour in. And like, even though we've criticized the pacing, like it is still enjoyable. It just sort of like it feels more like you're watching something than playing something because the gameplay up until this point is like go to the point marked on your map and trigger a cutscene. Mm-hmm. But now Mr. Drippy, <laughs> he's like, ah, clean forgot. My world is full of beasties. So he teaches you how to fight. 
monsters. Um, and I have to say, this is, I was not expecting, like, going into this game, I was like, this is going to be just, like, unbelievable, beautiful presentation, great music. And, like, I don't really, I didn't really know what to expect from the combat, really. Right. Like, I knew it was an RPG, and I've heard that it was, like, Pokemon-esque. Yeah. The combat in this game is really, really cool and really interesting, and, yeah. like, oddly is almost an equal selling point to the like outrageously good animation and music yeah Um, this game's the whole package it really like every bit of it is good yeah so how it works is like it's it's oddly i think it does borrow a lot from kingdom hearts where you're in a battle so like you know goes into battle zone and you see your player icon and you see like attack defend uh provisions which are your items Mm -hmm. i love that rebrand um (laughs) and a few other spells so it's in real time in a way where you're walking around and your enemy is like trying to attack you. If you're like walking away from the enemy, they'll miss. So like you are in control in that way. Right. But then you can put in commands. Like if you attack, you walk over to the enemy and your character just starts attacking. And there's like a clock icon that shows like how long that action will go for. At the same time, you have spells and and eventually special abilities that kind of pause time and act more like a like limit break or like a turn based combat event the enemy can also do that so there's like this window of time where you might want to use defend while the enemy is like broadcasting one of those attacks um and as you're fighting items pop up on the map that can either heal you or heal your magic kind of like the uh circles in kingdom hearts that restore your various stats and so in the beginning i think also what this game does really well is in the beginning it's like just you oliver stress straight out of motorville you're like kind of earthbound-esque cold war suburban town yeah and you're like running around with a stick and like not very good and like it's in the woods right aren't you are you like immediately in the woods yeah you're immediately in the woods and you're going to uh Oh god, what's the city called? It's great. There's a there's a cat king. I'll get into that, don't worry. <laughs> Ding Dong Dell. Yes. You should go to Ding Dong Ding Dell. Ding Dong Dell. Yeah. Uh so you're like hitting these like wolves with sticks on your way to Ding Dong Dell, just like in overalls. Mm-hmm. And eventually you get these things called familiars where um you summon kind of Pokemon-esque creatures from your heart that have a variety of different abilities. They share the same health and magic as you. So it's kind of, you kind of choose in the beginning of battle, like, do you want to go out first? Do you want to send your familiar out in place of you? Do you want to alternate between the two? It really is well-paced with how they explain everything. In the beginning, it's like just you and a stick. And then you go to this forest where you meet kind of a Dekutri-esque guardian who gives you all this new stuff. On top of that, one of the other kind of running missions is you learn that a lot of people are broken-hearted in this world. So like you go into this really lovely fantasy town where there's a funny scene where Mr. Drippy is like, we got to get you better clothes because you look like, you look like, you know, you don't belong here. Yeah. Uh, Everyone else is wearing like fantasy capes and stuff and you're wearing like overalls from 1950 yeah so you do that and then you meet some people in the town that are lacking like a trait so the the king (laughs) who is literally like your neighbor's cat in your world is this king and he's like oh one might think i see a few you know he he speaks in the royal we but with one yes he's i as soon as i met the lazy cat king i was like i am all in on this game yeah um but you find (laughs) characters that are like have a curse on them and then you can find characters that have like a a lot of one trait so you find like a really enthusiastic guard that you can ask if he's gonna lend some of his enthusiasm to the king right 
it's a fun it's a fun framing device for the story and like adds to the idea that like Oliver is this chosen one with and I like that they have magic serve a purpose in and out of combat so you really do feel like you're becoming this wizard it's great it's that's basically where I'm at in the game I just I just saved the cat king uh, I'm like three hours in but like I'm already telling that I, I I'm all in on the world I love the the framing device and I really like the combat it's a really really clever way to do like a mix of turn-based and real-time combat yeah i think it says a lot that your description of the game was pretty much just the story also because like the story is so compelling so immediately as soon as you get out of that opening town um, yeah that like that is alone reason enough to play it like even if everything else was like fine like that would be enough um yeah. but the fact that it also includes this incredible studio ghibli animation just unbelievable cutscenes, great voice acting and surprisingly gameplay that matches the same caliber of excellence as everything else is like really kind of astounding yeah. and honestly like kind of makes me concerned at my own uh choices to not continue playing it <laughs> um, especially I mean, knowing there's a sequel now and like the sequel is apparently great from what i've heard yeah um yeah i feel like i should get this now i think you'll i i while i was playing it i was like if brennan hasn't played this he'll love it because it it actually reminds me a lot of Dragon Quest in the way it's framed. I was like, just about to say the, yeah. the opening of this game reminds me a lot of the opening of Dragon Quest. And, and honestly, just the vibe it elicits uh, is yeah. very similar as well. Because the, the thing, I don't know if I mentioned this last week, but if so, bear with me. Uh, I got back into Dragon Quest XI again. Um, yes. Just because I've had oh, yeah. time and I've been playing like a shitload of it recently. Um and the the thing that really I think is compelling about that game and the thing that it, that really works for me more than anything else is that sense of like almost unabashed, like like cookie cutter paint by numbers adventure. Like it is it is so willing to just be like the most classic ass adventure possible. Yeah. Um, and Nino Kuni is honestly kind of a similar thing. Um, it's just wrapped up in like such beautiful uh, visual aesthetic and, and, and sonic aesthetic that like it really lands. And I think Dragon Quest has a similar vibe. Um, yeah, that's why I'm for sure. still playing it. My my one of my New Year's resolutions for the year is to finish Dragon Quest Eleven. Um, you should. So I, I'm doing that in all of my off time, and I'm hoping that as every game ever gets delayed to September, I'll have more and more time to devote to Dragon Quest, <laughs> so I can yeah. make it happen. Um, but if I make it through, I would like to make Nino Kuni my next thing. I think. Yeah, with Dragon Quest, I I think I got like I was 20 hours in on the PS4 one, so I might like if you if you go back to if you want to do like maybe a bonus on it one day or something. Yeah, that could be. That definitely is in the cards. Yeah, um, I'd love to. Yeah, because I know that that landed less successfully for me, but I think a lot of that was the shortcomings of the PS4 version. So like, yeah, I've oh, since actually watched a bunch of uh, videos of the PS4 version, and I've heard the music, and I it does not surprise me at all that you did not stick around because um, <laughs> that it it sounds bad. Like it actively is bad. It it makes yeah. the whole game feel worse uh, yeah. to not be orchestrated. Because like even it's just the same songs. It's the same like. Three Three songs over and over again and to have like horrible midi versions of them i think is upsetting it almost feels like i got like a bootleg version of the game yes like that's like you yeah. know that's like how they filled in the gaps right it's it's um. yeah it's like um <laughs> it's like they uploaded the torrented version like a pirated version themselves just to fuck with people yeah. like have you ever heard of of game studios that do that that's like okay so we'll upload the the torrent ourselves so people think it's legit and then they download it and then it's like you can't make it past the tutorial or something that that's what that music feels like in that version of dragon quest yeah maybe i'll uh it, it's hard for me to justify like starting from the beginning again and like
like yeah, understanding it again. Yeah. But we'll we'll see what happens with that. But yeah, Nino Kuni is, is is I think fulfilling that role of RPG for me. Yeah. Um and I mean I think like I was also like predisposed to love it just based on my like admiration of the studio. Right. Um Studio Ghibli. Uh but yeah, I'm, I think I, I wasn't expecting the game itself to be as impressive, and it very much is. Yeah. Um. So I'm I'm definitely gonna see it through as 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 much as possible. Would probably love to beat it, and I think I'll end up checking out the sequel once I uh, once I feel so compelled. Yeah, I'm surprised that's not out on Switch, and there's like no announcement that that's coming to Switch. Yeah. Yeah, I mean this this came later. This was uh I think it was only ported to Switch like in 20 like last year. Yeah, yeah, um, it's recent. So, yeah, Nino Kuni, a glowing recommendation. I I really like it and I think uh if you like the kind of RPGs that I do, I think you will adore it as well. Yeah. Uh check it out. I also have played it and also endorse it. Good game, good video game. Mr. Drippy, we love you. We love you, Mr. Drippy. Goodbye, Mr. Drippy. You're our favorite plush. <laughs> I just love, uh, I love everything about him. Anyway, let's take a break before I slip into my Mr. Drippy impression again. Okay, goodbye. Okay, goodbye. Ah, clean forgot! I'm king of the fairies, innit? Hi, Steven, we're back. Hey. Uh, I think this next segment's gonna be a little less traditional than usual, because I'm just gonna talk about a bunch of mobile games I've been playing. Um, That's fine. I, I've been uh, extremely, extremely busy for the past couple of weeks, so I haven't had as much time to sit down and like play a video game outside of like ones that we're playing for bonus episodes and stuff, uh, yeah, which yeah. has meant that I've been playing a lot of stuff on mobile on my commute. Um, so I've just like filled all of my gaming time with just like commuting mobile games, uh, which includes a bunch of Apple Arcade games, um, which is really fun because I feel like it's been a long time since we've talked about Apple Arcade stuff. My new yeah, rule yeah. is uh, I hate that this is a thing. I just want to like say that before for anything else i hate that it's a thing that the app store sends me notifications it's like here's a new apple arcade game that you should download because there's no way to turn off notifications for the app store i think so like i'm just kind of getting like accosted with them but my rule is every time they send me a game i will download it uh that's my oh, new wow. rule i will download every game that they send me notification for because i feel like they wouldn't send me notification if the game was bad like there's a reason that Apple is pushing this game over all the other ones that are on Apple Arcade. It's kind of my my thought process. So that happened this week. They sent me a push notification for this game that I, I couldn't believe was called Butter Royale. Uh, <laughs> okay. Which I had heard of only because I, I had seen a headline for uh, an article on The Verge about it. Uh, like The Verge uh, Gaming like was talking about it. Um, and I, I just remember the headline was something along the lines of like Apple Arcade's like newest flagship game is a battle royale mm. game for kids. Like, OK, that's that's like a cute idea. Like, let me check out what this is. So uh, I downloaded the game while I downloaded it. I was reading an article about it uh, and it was talking about how they kind of simplified the controls and, and they kind of toned down the violence of it. Because like Fortnite yeah. is a game that a lot of kids play. And, th and that is not a question. That is like how that game is as uh, successful as it is currently. It's just like every yeah. kid plays Fortnite, essentially. Um, but from the point of view of this developer, which I think is like, it makes sense. There are probably some parents or something out there that are like a little less than thrilled about like, okay, here's a game where 100 people uh, jump out of a rave and then land on this island for a blood sport where they shoot each other with like real ass guns <laughs> like that. That right, isn't right, exactly right. the most kid friendly thing, which I understand, you know, kids are going to play it regardless. But like I, I get the the impetus to try and design something like in this genre that uh, is, is a little bit more, I guess, inclusive for like an even younger skewing generation of kids. Um, yeah. So that's what uh, Butter Royale is supposed to is supposed to encapsulate is like, what if we made like the like Fisher Price version of a Battle Royale game? So 
it essentially is you uh, start this game like you, you'll be searching for a match uh, and instead of like dropping out of a, a bus or whatever, like they just show you the map before you even start and you can just like point at a place on the map and that's just where you start when the round starts. Uh, instead of 100 people, it's 32 people. Matches will take anywhere between, I would say, like four to five minutes, like max. So they're really short and you can just kind of like knock them out, which is really great for mobile. And it's really great if you're commuting like I am. Um, yeah. And that's kind of, I think, the vibe of this game is is very uh, childish and, and they really lean into that idea and they really, I think, capture it and and and, and succeed. In that, like, it's very cartoony. Uh, all the people are always dancing all the time. There's a bunch of, like, fun, sparkly things that are happening. It, it's just, like, very cartoony, even more so than Fortnite is. It's very cartoony. And it, and it seems like it would appeal to kids. That, to me, is where they kind of, like, that's where they succeed versus where they kind of fail which is a little bit of a bummer to say because this game I think is is fun there is fun to be had here it controls in such a way that it is so uh so easy to pick up and so easy to play that like I have found myself in times where I do have five minutes saying like oh let me just jump into a butter royale match because it'd be like goofy and be like a funny thing to do um because it is straight up like an isometric uh, view game where it is just a twin stick shooter. So you're just running around with, with the left analog stick and then shooting with the right. It's exactly how you play like Binding of Isaac on mobile and things like that. Like it is just yeah. straight up twin stick. It is so easy. You don't have to worry about like a virtual analog stick to like move around or to look around or anything. Or building stuff. Right. You don't have to worry about building stuff like <laughs> build a tower of Babel that you fall from yes, like I did. Exactly. <laughs> you, you don't have to worry about that literally at all. You don't have to worry about crafting or like picking yeah. up uh, materials or anything like that like it is very streamlined so you're just running around and you're looking to shoot similar to Fortnite, you have to like find weapons to pick up um and the way they avoid you even needing to take your fingers off of the two analog six which i think is really great the virtual analog six i should say uh, which is really great that they they incentivize you to not ever lift your thumbs up off the off the screen is uh to pick up a weapon or to pick up an item or like sh a shield or whatever uh you have to run over it and then it creates this like little timer it's like a little orb that kind of fills up uh as you stand on top of it for a long time. So you have this like two to three second time frame where you have to be standing on an item and then that's how you pick it up and you automatically equip it when that happens. Uh, so there's no like extra button taps or anything that you need to be doing to be able to equip an item or whatever. So it really streamlines the whole process of like finding and finding loot and whatever. Um, you can only have one item equipped at a time. So it's like whatever you uh, find is what you're committing to. Uh, and then you're shooting just by like kind of, you know, pointing in a direction. So I, I think where I start to butt up against the idea that this is like a game made for children and they wanted to like take the Fortnite idea and, and kind of like, uh, I don't know, make it a, a little bit better for uh, the youth, as it were, is that like you're still picking up guns. <laughs> Um, yeah, like right. So the the main difference is like the gun shoots popcorn, like the shotgun shoots popcorn. The yeah. there, there's an assault rifle that shoots ketchup. There's a uh -huh. rocket launcher that shoots baguettes. Um, I do kind of like that. Me too. I mean, it's goofy yeah. and it's fun, yeah. but like there's still guns. I get what you mean. Like the 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 thing that would make Fortnite like potentially more of like a PG PG thirteen audience is like still there. They, yes. they didn't they didn't remove the most adult thing about it. Right. Um, you're, you're still shooting people, and when they die, they explode into like a whole like heap of their items. Like there <laughs> there's still a lot of things that are very similar to Fortnite in this, which like of course there have to be because you know they're trying to appeal to a mass market. Um, right. But like it's it's, it's really bizarre to me, but the, the, the like cherry on top of this whole like kind of mixed signals thing is I won a game 
literally on my Uber ride, like back from uh, where I just was to my apartment this morning, I won a game and I was thinking, I was already thinking about this. Like, it seems like there's a little bit of like a dissonance between what they're saying they want this to be and what this is. But I won the game. When I won the game, it went, you're a badass. Like the, the announcer yeah. said that. And I was like, what the fuck? Yeah. What the fuck are you doing? You yeah, can't say badass weird. in this children's game. That's not allowed. Yeah. And maybe right. it is. I don't know. Maybe they're allowed to say badass on Nickelodeon now. But like, I was just so weirded out by it and not that I'm like not that I'm like clutching my pearls or whatever at this but it's just I read this whole article that was talking about why this game was made in the first place and why Apple was pushing it so heavily and it just seems like so many things are, go, are like bumping up against it all of yeah. that said it is fun it is like really goofy there is a, an interesting strategy to be found here there, there are some really interesting stuff in that like if there's tall grass or bushes or something, you can literally hide in it. And when you're hiding in it, like nobody can see you literally at all. Uh, so if somebody runs by, you can like pop out and kind of catch them by surprise. Um, the fact that all of this stuff happens so quickly means that the three to five seconds that it takes for you to pick up an item or the 10 seconds it takes for you to pick up like a loot drop. If like, uh, you know, a parachute drops down with like a really big, powerful weapon like that amount of time, those 10 seconds can be the thing that fucks you up. Like you have yeah. to like very consciously make a decision to pick that stuff up. Uh, so that means that there is you know, like a kind of interesting and coherent strategy. And there's like some tight game design here in terms of how they're balancing the amount of time it takes to do things. And then again, the fact that it only takes five minutes to play a match means that you can kind of just like knock a whole bunch of them out. Um, it's, it's a compelling thing that I think like doesn't 100% land um, yeah. in the way that they wanted to. And that doesn't mean they can't change some things to make it work, but it seems like there's some like core inherent design beliefs that kind of yeah. bump up against the, the stated purpose of the thing existing in the first place I, I think it's a tricky thing uh there's, there's a lot of discussions to be had about like marketing to kids in general um like that's a pretty huge topic yeah um i think it's interesting though that we talk about this where, where i stand is i think like a lot of media that is marketed towards a younger audience a lot of times the best examples of that are ones where they weren't created with that like solely in mind yes i think nino kuni is a perfect example of that we're like you can play that game at any age and like mm -hmm. yeah like it's probably like they probably have a younger audience in mind and you always want to like if you're like okay like knowing knowing who this is going to be marketed to is kind of like a a worthy piece of information when you're creating a story but then you have some stuff that's marketed like i always think about a lot of like early dreamworks movies not to dunk on dreamworks they do some good stuff but like i know exactly a lot of those movies are like four kids but they always have like a wink joke at the adults like oh like farquad's got a small penis and it's like why is this in this movie right yeah That's, you know like and that, not not that that like i don't think either of us are like clamoring for like censorship necessarily but it's it's confusing intention when it's like okay if you're outwardly saying this is for kids then like actually follow through on that right and i but i think too like the stuff that kids like the like kids are very savvy with like what is genuine what isn't like Absolutely. past a certain yeah. age like they they i mean i liked final fantasy 7 when i was like seven years old you know and that's i wasn't like a rare example of that like plenty of people my age or younger did too like uh and that's not a game that's necessarily marketed to kids at all yeah kids are going to find what they like but i think it's i think the stuff that's like worthwhile that is like uh i think it was um maurice sendek wrote where the wild things are mm -hmm. 
uh, there's a really funny interview with him and Stephen Colbert. It's old. It's before he passed. But like he says in the interview, like I because Stephen Colbert says something kind of like jokingly inflammatory, like, you know, why did you decide to write for like children and not adults or something like that? And he's like, I didn't like I just wrote and someone said it was for kids. And like, it's great. And there's kind of a lot of merit in that where like you do want to keep in mind who is going to be reading your stuff. But I think I think the stuff that we remember, the stuff that lands, the stuff that like kids actually gravitate towards is made with just an intention of making something cool that happens to have elements that are universal. Yeah. Not like we're going to dumb this down and, and, you know, and ma- not, not to say that that's what Butter Royale is doing, but it sounds like, like, how do we make Fortnite into a, a PG package? But yeah. like, kind of forgetting what makes Fortnite arguably, you know, PG-13 or whatever. Right. And then there's also the like 1990s version of advertising in my head uh, that's like every toy that's made for seven-year-olds features an ad that has a 13-year-old in it because everyone who is seven wants to be 13, you know? Right, so like right, Fortnite yeah. kind of has that appeal in that way. Um, but on, on your point, that's kind of a thing that Mr. Rogers talked about all the time. Um, that, that was that was like a very frequent, uh, a frequent like bell that he would ring just talking about the idea of like treating everyone who watched his show with the same level of respect and intellect because like just because you're making a show for kids doesn't mean you need to dumb it down because everyone's going to understand it. Yeah. Um, and, you and, and I, st- oh, sorry, Kayopi, you and I like still talk about Hey Arnold, but we're not going to talk about Street Sharks with the same admiration. Right. You know, and both those shows were probably in the same hour. Yes. You know? like, yeah. Street Sharks uh, honestly is, is the Butter Royale of Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles in a way. <laughs> That is our Beetlejuice. Not <laughs> say Street Sharks is the Butter Royale of Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles three times fast and you go to hell with us. Um, but I know, I know exactly what you're saying, which is the even more disturbing part. Yeah, exactly Street Sharks was made as like a, like a radical, like what if we can appeal to, I don't know, like the 90s kids version of, of Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, which was already appealing to 90s kids, you know, w- without needing to like bump everything up and give everyone sharp teeth uh for some reason butter royale i think the more i talk about it right now even though there are aspects of it i like and i have played a lot of matches um just like on subways and stuff it does feel like it was built for uh money (laughs) like it feels like it was built for like and that's actually uh, a monetary opportunity i think it was Reagan who undid or at least the administration who undid there used to be a law in place that said that you can't market towards children like it used to be I think it was like we were the first generation that that like totally went away because everything was like hey do you love Monsanto and sugar yummy yummy I hate vegetables yeah. I like skateboarding and eating sugar um <laughs> and like <laughs> but like you know it, there's a difference between I think kids overall will, will they might they might play this kind of stuff, but they're gonna remember and be influenced and inspired by the stuff that actually matters. Yeah. Um, the stuff that's like kind of projecting an an idea of what is cool for kids will will always age poorly. Yeah. But you have stuff like you know I mean I think yeah I think this is a giant conversation, but I always think of that Maurice Sendak interview, and I and I think it's actually interesting to talk about this after Nino Cooney because Nino Cooney is is a game that I could recommend to literally anyone and they're either going to have that like inspired experience that like is formative for a young person or they're going to be taken back to that uh but not yeah, feel right. like talked down to either like it just feels whimsical it feels really imaginative and and interesting yeah um i think too we have i think in the us in particular sometimes our idea of like what is for kids and what is for adults is kind of like totally 
like <laughs> once you turn 13 not everything has to be like grim dark you know what i mean yeah totally. uh, so yeah, yeah. i mean my yeah. favorite games growing up were the kingdom hearts games like those were the ones that i gravitated towards more than anything else and like those games are not grim dark at all they're no. so whimsical and so outlandish that's also i think they that also is like something where as much as we just dunked on three like that's a series that that is just doing its own thing. I mean, it's yes, it's Disney and Final Fantasy combined. Like a lot of marketing went into it, I'm sure. But like that's something that no one knew they wanted. Yeah, <laughs> right. And so it came out, and like people were really into it uh, organically yeah. of all ages. Yeah. yeah. Um. Anyway, so that's Butter Royale. <laughs> Butter Royale. Uh, just to move on, I'll, I'll kind of skim over some other stuff I've been playing. Um, there's another game that came out this week on Apple Arcade that's called Kings of the Castle, which uh, I think is worth, if you have Apple Arcade, it's worth downloading and checking out just because the controls are so tight and like they, it absolutely should not work. So talking about how Butter Royale kind of like simplifies everything because it's just a twin stick shooter. So you're just moving around with the left analog stick and shooting in whatever direction you want with the right analog stick. Kings of the Castle is a first person speed running competition game. Uh <laughs> On mobile, <laughs> where market it to kids. Uh, hey kids, don't you wish you were as fast as me? Well, drink Monsanto. Yeah. <laughs> drink Monsanto. I, I oh my god. Referencing um, Monsanto. I don't know why. Anyway, it's a game where uh, you play as a princess on an island who has to free a prince from a castle uh, that has a dragon guarding it. And the only way that you can appease the dragon is by presenting it with a shitload of diamonds. So you have to speed run around this castle and try and uh, get a certain amount of diamonds on each Island uh, to give to this dragon to free the prince. Um, I love and that. yeah, it's very, it's very goofy in, in concept. Uh, it really is just like the lightest concept they could come up with to kind of like attach to this game where you are essentially speed running around the island against another person. So there's another person also trying to do the mm. same thing, um, which is honestly very fun. It's a great time. Um, it's really goofy. I'm not going to play it a whole lot. I already know this. Like I can already feel it. Um, even in, in certain instances, like playing it feels exhausting. We're like, Oh my God, what do you, I can't believe I have to get 200 of these diamonds, uh, you know, considering it's already taken me three minutes in this speed running game to get like 50 of them. I keep running into moments like that. But outside of that, it, it is really surprising how well they have managed to uh, create a game in which you are looking with a left analog stick, sorry, looking with a right analog stick, running forwards with the left analog stick and then needing to remove your finger from the the look analog stick to press a jump button um, and you get all these like wild power-ups and stuff and you're moving so so fast and avoiding obstacles and enemies and things like that um, it's really surprising how well it all kind of clicks together so if you have apple yeah. arcade it's like absolutely almost kind of a best case scenario for apple arcade where it's like i would never have checked this out unless it was part of this and i'm glad that i yeah. did and i would recommend checking it out and like having a good time for like a half an hour you know, like you'll you'll have like a, a good like fifteen to twenty minutes with this game at least. I just googled it. I really love the presentation. The art style uh, is really beautiful. Yeah, yeah. It kind of reminds me of like Katamari meets like Adventure Time. Yes. Uh, yeah, it's really uh, pretty. Really, really cool palette. Yeah, yeah. I'll and check it out. It sounds fun. Yeah, it's cool. Another game that I want to point out, just because it just came out and kind of like caused a little bit of a controversy, uh, so I checked it out just because of that. Uh, is EA has 
apparently announced that they're going to remove every version of Tetris from the App Store. So even if you have at some point bought Tetris in the past for your iPhone, it's going to stop working sometime soon. It's just it's just going to stop entirely, which is like the most like uh, evil supervillain version of EA that like is kind of lodged into people's brains move. It's so funny and weird that they would choose to do this. But the reasoning yeah. is that they have unveiled their new Tetris app. It is like a full, from what they're saying, it is a, a full platform for Tetris. Uh, so I downloaded it to see like, okay, people are really upset that their version of Tetris that they love is getting deleted from their fucking iPhone. It's not actually getting deleted, but like they're going to stop supporting it eventually. So it'll stop working at a certain point. But anyway, I was like, let me see what this new one is. And it's really bad. It's so bad. <laughs> I can't, I couldn't believe like how bad you could fuck up Tetris. Um, because it beyond just like feeling bad to play, it also like has a shitload of ads in it. And then you have to like pay five. To, like the only things in this game in this app are a button to play Tetris, a button to pay five dollars to remove ads forever uh, and the ability to switch the theme on Tetris. So you could like make it look like a cartoon instead of just like straight Tetris. Like those what? are the three things that exist in this. And they just made like a pay money button, basically. Essentially, like yes. Like, yeah. Um, yeah. It even goes so far as like I will be playing a round of Tetris on the subway, and then I will need to like transfer to another train. And as I'm doing that, it um, it completely deletes my progress, and I have to start over. It's wild to me, like that you would build a mobile version of Tetris that doesn't save where you stop playing it. Oh my god! Um, and they got rid of all the other ones. Yes, <laughs> on mobile, right? On, on mobile, mobile, yeah. Oh. Not like ever. <laughs> yeah. All the Game Boy cartridges just smashed. Yeah, yeah. Some guy just kicked in my fucking door and 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 took my prized copy of Tetris for the Game Boy. Uh no, so apparently what they're gonna do is they're gonna start adding more modes to this and they're gonna like start building it out into a bigger thing. Uh one of the things they mentioned is like a battle royale version of Tetris that apparently isn't Tetris 99 being ported to mobile, but is a different take on that idea. Uh, I don't know what that means, but that's the thing they announced. I'm just like really surprised by it because I love Tetris and I paid for the Tetris app a while back. Um, I just haven't played it in so long that I didn't really mind when they were like, yeah, it's going to stop working because I it's literally like maybe 10 pages deep in my games folder on my iPhone. So like I didn't really care that much. Wow. Um, but I did want to check out this new thing considering they said it's going to be a full platform and stuff. I was just so surprised to find that there were only two buttons on the main screen and one of them was pay five dollars yeah for real really really bizarre choice but outside of that um i don't know i i, I will probably stick with it i'll probably keep it downloaded and keep checking out updates as they <laughs> unveil them just because i'm like so curious what's happening here that's like a step below like ea just been like all chess boards have been incinerated now you have ea chess which yeah. is like throwing milk at the wall right like, yeah, what is this yeah you have to use your own money as the pieces on the chessboard. you can <laughs> mail us five dollars or do nothing right that's the new chess but to move past shitty Tetris because I just I just wanted to bring that up because that was like a weird like news story this week and I checked it out yeah but moving past that to an actual game that I really do enjoy and I brought it up on a previous episode and said I was going to check it out and I finally got the chance to um, there is a game by the uh, game studio that makes all the Lego games that's called Lego Builders Journey um, which oh, was cool. described to me as kind of like a Monument Valley adjacent game made by the by the Lego company so for those of you who have played other Lego games in the past you know they're pretty much all just like like IP centric games so it's essentially just like, okay, cool. 
uh, here's the entire Harry Potter series just told as Lego games with no voice acting or anything. Which, by the way, I got the Lego collection or the Lego Harry Potter collection on my Switch and I started playing it and it was terrible. I had a bad time, so I stopped Stinky. playing it. Yeah. Yeah. But anyway, Lego's been making these games for so, so long, like going all the way back to the PS2 era, doing the prequel trilogy of Star Wars as Lego games like they've been doing this for such a long time. Um, It seems like what they're trying to do. And I saw a, a note recently or I think it was an article about it. I didn't actually get to read it, but essentially the, the idea of it from what I understood was that Lego is trying to start to make some like more artistically uh, artistic leaning kind of like experimental games that are much smaller in scope instead of just like leaning into IP. They're just like using Lego as an idea to like explore other things. So this game that they made called Lego Builder's Journey is available on Apple Arcade. I highly recommend checking it out even just to look at it because it's so fucking pretty. It's so yeah. gorgeous. The sound design is great. Like everything about it is really good. And it is very Monument Valley adjacent. So essentially the way it works is you are like a little you're like a little kid and you have a mentor who is like this, you know, it seems like there's no dialogue and no nothing really in this game. Um, but it seems like they are kind of like a professional Lego builder and they have this big like backpack on their back. And it seems like they're kind of like your mentor, your, your, uh, your, I don't know, fucking dad or something like it seems like there's some kind of like student teacher relationship happening here. And what you have to do as like this little kid version of a Lego builder is pick up these bricks and move them around to essentially get your little kid version to meet up with the big, uh, like, extreme Lego builder guy. Uh, So it kind of works in a Monument Valley-esque way where you are using this very small environment because it's just like a little tiny cube, essentially, uh, to pick up Lego bricks and move them around uh, and, like, rotate them and, and solve, like, little tiny puzzles, little tiny environmental puzzles to figure out how to get this kid from point A to point B. Um, and that might be like, you know, you you have a uh, a cube that is uh, a mountain that has a river running through it. And you have to figure out a way to build a bridge to get this kid from, uh, you know, one side of the valley to the other side of the valley or something. Um, it is really, really pretty. All of the puzzles are so like just delightful to figure out. And it really allows for a lot of creativity in a way that i wasn't expecting like it's really not always a one-size-fits-all situation as it shouldn't be considering it's legos like they're should say yeah they're actually leaning into what make legos great exactly as a a service yes um so there there is more than one way to finish uh, a level which i really appreciated um it is it is just like kind of like i would say an artistic achievement over everything else um, because the the sound design the visual design of this game is kind of astounding and uh yeah Lego Builder's Journey, really good, really cool game. Also on Apple Arcade, uh, so definitely worth checking out. Um, I'm sorry if you're a person who listens to this podcast and you have Android, because um, I'm letting you down this week. But uh, I just wanted to yeah, kind of like go check who... in on Apple Arcade because it's been so long <laughs> yeah. since we talked about it. No, I'm glad you did, and I think it's like worth. There's so much available that it's worth looking past like what's immediately being marketed. Yeah, um, I have about four or five other games that I've downloaded recently that looked interesting that I just haven't had the time to check out yet. So I will probably come back with some more eventually. Uh, yeah, I also, it's who, worth noting, I, I didn't have my Switch this week. I left my Switch at my parents' house when I went to visit them uh, like a week and a half ago. Uh, so that was another big thing was like I, I couldn't like bring Dragon Quest with me. Because uh, that was what I was planning <laughs> I was on say, talking about this week. When you apologize to Android users, I'm like, anyone who listens to our show that doesn't have a Switch, I feel like I'll pour one out for you. I'm so sorry. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, it reminded me a little bit, bringing it back to Tetris. Do you ever play Tetris Plus? Tetris Plus for Game Boy, the first Game Boy. I don't Boy. think so. It's no. the only Tetris I had. It was a weird one. It was like 
Tetris. You could play normal Tetris, but then there was Tetris Plus, which was like two explorers. One was kind of Mario esque, and they would climb the Tetris blocks to like reach a goal. So it was like similar ish in in your Lego game, but like with Tetris. This is wild. <laughs> Yeah, it might be if you if you have like a you know totally legal emulator, it might be worth checking out. I've not played it in like since I was like eight, homesick from school or like in a car somewhere. Yeah, with like a worm light Game Boy, but uh, I remember liking it a lot. I yeah. thought I thought it was a lot of fun. Um, that does sound really cool. Yeah, um, yeah it, was, it was a neat change up. The one last thing I will mention, uh, in terms of mobile games, and this is more of a question for the listener than anything else. I've also been playing a shitload of idle games because that's a genre that I really gravitate towards and enjoy, uh, believe it or not. And I've never really talked about idle games outside of the ones in the Games of the Decade discussion um, yeah. on this show. But if anyone is interested in that as a as a discussion on this podcast, I would enjoy talking about them. Um, but I, I have kind of refrained for a long time. So if you're interested in that, I guess <laughs> let us know in some way, shape or form because um, I can talk about a lot of them. Anyway. Yeah, I think as as a general thing too, like as we as we're in this time when there's less stuff like and again, like we're not beholden to what's coming out, but like it just so happens, like we've said millions of times that what's coming out is very interesting to us. Um like yeah. March is talk about our Beetlejuice. March is like our ascension. Uh yeah. with Animal Crossing coming out, Persona Five R, and then in early April is FF seven. I've already like planned out my life when FF seven comes out. Yeah. I'm going to devote like an entire day to like not even leaving the house and just like just doing it. Yeah. Uh, it's going to be a gross, but great time. Um, <laughs> I'm very excited. Yeah. Uh, it's going to be great. But yeah, on top, I, I say all that because I think we're always open to being encouraged to discuss things that are like a little bit outside our radar um, or things that like maybe us, we've each held back because we think it might be too one-sided. Yeah. Um, I'm always here to listen about idle games, just so you know. Uh, but um, but yeah, yeah. Let us know. I mean, reach out to us. Any any ideas you want to see or hear more of, we're open to that. Um, yeah, please don't hesitate to hit us up if you want us to talk about anything on the show. Um, yeah, yeah. Cool. <laughs> I think the most support we have ever received is for the silly snacks episode. I've never been more wrong about what the people want than, than the silly <laughs> snacks episode. Which I didn't even mention that in the in the intro. But if you yeah. check out the most recent episode of the newsletter, you can find uh, the silly snacks episode. It exists now um, yeah. on a new feed, which I'll talk about at some point um, as it becomes more real. But yeah, <laughs> I couldn't believe it. Yeah. I was like that you're you're brilliant. And great person. Um, cool. Is that Did it? I tell you that got rejected from uh, Apple Podcasts. <laughs> <laughs> I forgot to mention that anywhere. I had to send a support email. <laughs> Hi, my dark web uh, podcast got rejected. Yeah. Yeah. I think because I opened it by saying it's a dark web audio shit post, I think maybe that didn't go so well. But... <laughs> you know, open strong, yeah. to they say. Uh, thank you to Grant. Uh, over at Anchor, if you're listening to this, for uh, helping me out. Oh, wow. I, I think I said once as a goof, I'm like, we'll release that like on the deep web. And you're like, oh, let's get back to that. And then you did. Yep. <laughs> well, not like actually, but like, you know, metaphorically. <laughs> anyway, um, cool. You want to wrap up? Yeah, I do want to wrap up. Um, I, I'm i fucking done. Uh, no, I just I <laughs> want to. Um... <laughs> Sorry, that was so scary. <laughs> Um, the original Mr. Drippy was that. Hello, Oliver! <laughs> Jesus. I'm Gilbert Godfrey on Helium! <laughs> um, <sighs> I just, I, so scary. 
That was so scary. I just want to move right past that. I want to mention <laughs> our Twitter account, which is add into the cast. Our Twitch account, which is add into the cast. Um, I think I'm going to start streaming everybody's golf. I think that's what I'm going to do this week. Yes, you should stream more. I, I think we're our schedules are so week by week that it's hard to find like a constant time. But uh, I think I think you'll see more from us in the in the coming weeks. Yeah, um, I've been really dying to get back into streaming, um, and I think now is kind of the time. Um, that's something that I I often make Twitter polls for. But like, if you want to see us play a certain game, let us know. Like, I've I've kind of started a lot of different ones. Um, yeah. So I think like it would be great to return to Remnant one day. I think that'd be really fun. Yeah. It'd be cool to. I think I'm going to stream Divinity too someday soon. Uh, possibly with a friend of mine so that will be fun but yeah just keep an eye out for that we'll we'll let you know um i think i would enjoy watching you play divinity 2 more than i enjoy playing divinity (laughs) 2 i would venture to guess that that's the case well you're in luck pal i'm gonna make a weird lizard skeleton um i was thinking of making like lester's like ancient ancestor that's just a skeleton oh yeah that might be that's like great. my character yeah yeah we'll see also like one day I, I'll, I think i speak for both of us here one day we will return to lester um oh yeah absolutely it just it didn't work out over the holidays but like next time i'm home we'll work something out yeah and you know um, that you and i will eventually do elder scrolls oblivion like that's just yeah. like waiting in the wings i've been trying to get because i think like us playing an mmo would be a lot of fun to stream yeah i've been trying to get final fantasy 14 to work but like i forgot my square password and when i go to reset it it asks me for my password i'll call <laughs> square customer service but like i'm I, I literally made another gmail just to make a new account and it won't let me change what account it's like the mo- least intuitive thing but yeah. i do want to make a character on that i think that'd be fun and yeah elder scrolls online like has to happen like we don't even have a choice that's yeah. going to happen it has to happen yeah um, i really like so, that yeah, game one, i never i never played it i never played eso yeah we'll have to do it i played a little bit i had a free trial of 14 and i made a strange mage who like had a very low voice like, <laughs> i cried. keep hearing how good 14 is is that game yeah. so w- the way that that model works is you have to pay for the game up front and then you have it right i think i think so it's very confusing i feel like i never get like a straight answer it's always like because that's how like eso like, works so i that's yeah. fine by me and that's how guild wars used to work when i used to play that and things like that so i don't think there's a this is subscription anymore i think i i bought it like i have it yeah i just can't lock in <laughs> i'm looking so at frustrating if i want if i think yokotaro of near automata also like helped work on the latest like adi- like the Shadowbringers. that i think he helped work on that i hear i hear like great things about that campaign hmm. um yeah well, let's work that out that might be really fun to do also my god quest of of experiencing every final fantasy gotta play more 14 that's true that's part of the it's part yeah. of the deal i would love to be able to it's talk about the deal. it with you yeah yeah um, all right i got a call square still yeah i got it when it was on sale one day and i got it for like 40 oh wait that's complete edition final fantasy um, xiv i know this is it's great so audio, confusing yeah, it's just, such good audio i just want the answer to this <laughs> should i call square and have that be the audio yeah hi yeah i'm trying to log in yeah so i i have <laughs> a great so i'm on moogle i'm on mog station mm-hmm. right so when I when I click on my user ID, um, it, it's sort of grayed out, and I can't enter a new one. And then I when I when I hit reset password, it brings me to a browser in PS4 that prompts me for my password, which seems kind of counterintuitive. So I'm just trying to figure. Okay, sure. Hi, is this Mog himself? Hi, Mog. So I'm at station. I'm at I'm at your titular station. 
and my user ID is grayed out. And I, okay. Yeah. I know who Zach is. I know he's sort of like clouds. Like, yes, I know that. I know that cloud sort of, I don't, re- I don't want to spoil this. Okay. Yeah. I'll hold the whole music is, um, Q's Marsh from FF9. Oh, okay. Good. Yeah. Hi, uh, is this Tim Cook? <laughs> Sorry, I'm gonna, I want to stop. <laughs> Thank you so much to Akira, Alex, Andrew D, the other Andrew D, uh, Bede, Benjamin D, Benjamin W, Bolt, Brendan, Brett, Catherine, Christopher, David, Hilton, Inez, Jason, Jeff, Josh, uh, Cameron, Connor, Kieran, Kim, Kyle, Mark, Marcel, Melly Muffin Pie, Micah, Min, Murray, No Name, Pablo, Philip, Robert, Salute, PZ, Scout, Spencer, and Trevor, thank you all for uh, backing wow. the show on Patreon, thank which you. again is at patreon.com slash into the cast. Yeah, cool. More Sick. stuff to come. I think the bonus episode's coming soon, or maybe it's already out by the time you're hearing this. Um, yeah. And uh, we're uh, underway working on the next one, which is exciting. And yeah, yeah. Uh, all that said, my name is Brendan Bigley. You can find me on the internet at Brendan Bigley. I'm Stephen Hilger. You can find me at Stephen Hilger. Have a wonderful day. Yeah. See ya. Goodbye. Garbage dot online.